Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ. Now, today I'm going to do something a little bit different. In uh, Season 3 here, I have been doing all the episodes by myself, giving you guys insight on my thoughts on different uh, different aspects of, of skill development. And I'm actually going to go back to an old interview that I did with Don Showalter of USA Basketball. And I'm going to I'm going to re-release that episode because I think he shared a lot of information, some really great nuggets. Um, This is back when I was actually interviewing coaches. I would bring different coaches on the show and ask them a a series of questions and get their insights and just pick their brain. And so I decided, you know, for today's episode to re-release this episode. Again, I think it's going to be some great value, some great insight. He talks about his philosophy on skill development. We talk about um, a good ratio for players to get skill development versus games. We talk about, you know, just, you know, four different uh, skills that's important on the offensive end when it comes to skill development, uh, ball handling, which include uh, 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 dribbling and passing. We talk about shooting, footwork, and then in ways to improve your basketball IQ. And also, if you're a coach that coach a team, we discuss a little bit about, you know, what you can do for skill development in a group setting or in a team setting. So it's a lot of information. And, uh, you know, he's a he's a great coach. He has a, he had at the time of this interview. Um, I think he said he had 41 years of, of coaching experience. So Coach Coach Dunn Showalter is with USA Basketball. has done a lot of. A lot of great things for the game. So I know this is something that you're going to enjoy, you know. So get your pen, get your pad out, get ready to take some really good notes. Um, The interview actually picks up right at the beginning because I did my intros a little bit different uh, a couple years ago. So I believe it's going to start right with me uh, asking him to give uh, a little bio, a little information about him. So Without any further ado, here's the interview with Coach Dunn Showalter. Well, before we actually get started into the interview, can you take a couple of moments and give everybody a little bio about yourself? Tell them a little about your coaching experience and, and your journey uh, with coaching basketball. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, I just finished my uh, coaching high school basketball. Uh, I've been a head coach for 41 years. And I'm uh, just completing my third third season. Uh, we just completed our third season this past year at Iowa City, uh, City High, uh, in Iowa City, Iowa. And uh, before that, I was at a, a little smaller school uh, close to here, uh, Mid Prairie High School, for 28 years. I was athletic director as well, head basketball coach. And then uh, before that, I, I uh, Taught and coached uh, 10 years before that, uh, just around a couple places around the state of Iowa. And then, uh, uh, so I've been involved with high school basketball really all my coaching life. And then I got started with USA Basketball in 1998. I coached the uh, Hoop Summit, which is a uh, game that uh, USA Basketball top senior players uh, play against uh, the top international players. So, um, in Portland, Oregon, it's been that it's been there for several years. So that's really a a good game for our high school seniors. The year I coached it, uh, the international team had a guy by the name of Dirk Nowitzki. Which, oh, uh, wow. <laughs> obviously, obviously, later went on to be a, a top pro, um, still playing for the Dallas Mavs. So, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, then from there on, I was just on several committees uh, with USA Basketball and. And then in 2009, FIBA, which is the governing body of basketball internationally, uh, started the U16 tournament. And uh, USA Basketball was uh, asked me if I would coach that first team in 2009. And that was real. Uh, obviously, I said uh, uh, yes on that one. And, and on that team, we had guys like uh, uh uh, Quinn Cook, who just graduated from Duke. We had Brad Beal, who plays for the Washington uh, Wizards. Andre Drummond. Um, uh, James McAdoo, who was on the uh, team with the Warriors this past year. 
Justin Anderson, who just got drafted uh, by the Mavs uh, uh, there. So um, we really had a lot of good players, obviously, and won a gold medal. That was that was uh, the U16 is to qualify for the Worlds. And then the next year, 2007, uh, or 2000, excuse me, 2010, uh, we've traveled to Hamburg, Germany for the, for the World Championships after having qualified as 16-year-olds with pretty much the same group uh, and won the gold medal there. And then after that, uh, with the evolution of USA basketball, wanting to stay consistent, the Coach K has been consistent, uh, <clears throat> member of the senior team, obviously the coaching. Um, they wanted to, uh, USA basketball wanted to know if I was interested in coaching another two-year term, 16 and 17. And so in 2011 and 2012, then was my second uh, go-around with that. And that team was, was pretty special. Joel Okafer, um, Jamari Parker, Tyus Jones, uh, uh, Aaron Gordon. Uh, so we had some really good players there, obviously, as well. Won the gold medal in 2011 and 2012. Uh, won the world championships, and that was in Lithuania. And then uh, Justice Winslow, as well as Okafer and and uh, and Yukari uh, um, Johnson, but just graduated from Kentucky, as well as Tyus Jones, uh, were all on that team as well. So uh, that was obviously a great thing. And then. Um, I've been uh, this past year, 2013 and 14. Uh, we went to Dubai in 2014 for our World Championships, won a gold medal there, and then I just finished up coaching a new group of U16 players in the in our U16 this past June. And we'll go next year. We'll play in the World Championships uh, somewhere uh, next year. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Uh, I've had uh, really good players, obviously, and you know you can't have a lot of success without really good players. And so I've been very fortunate in that way, both in my local high school and uh, at the USA basketball level. Yeah, and, and I know that you are a, a very busy man, so I'm really appreciative again of of you taking a little time out of your of your schedule to uh, to visit with us a little bit today. So no we problem. we're gonna we're gonna jump right into this. Um, the first question I have for you is, in your own words, what is skill development and how important is skill development to the game of basketball? Well, let me, let me premise this by saying that uh, I, think, I think players today play too many games. Um, and not that games are not important because they are. But I, I just think uh, in summertime, uh, I know this is my own high school players as well, you know, they, they want to play games. And so, you know, they'll play six or eight games on a weekend and then maybe have one practice during the week. Uh, and then a lot of you know, a lot of AAU teams or a lot of outside school teams won't even have a practice during the week and just go to another tournament. So mm-hmm. pretty soon, uh, having done this, I think that the players don't really uh, take the games, take the game uh, competitively as they should. Because it doesn't really matter if you win or lose, you're going to play another game in an hour, a couple hours anyway. So you just get back on the court. So I think some of that, I think some of this is taken, taken away from, from a player being really, really competitive, and the games mean something. Now I, I know the shoe companies are trying to do do some different stuff, and I think mm-hmm. they've really improved improved in this facet. I mean, Adidas and. EYBL with Nike and, and uh, Under Armour. I think they try to improve uh, this aspect of it. Um, but, um, you know, I just I was reading an article here um, from Eva uh, a couple months ago, and a, a statement really struck me in that international players, uh, they play, for every game they play, they have between five and six practices. And for the United States, Young players, for every uh, practice they have, they play five or six games. So, mm. you know, something is just a little bit messed up there in the fact that we don't spend, players don't spend enough time developing their skills and just playing games. So, um, having said that, I'm a firm believer in, in, you know, that's how you develop 
skill development. If, you, if you're going to become a good shooter, you you have to you you got to get in the gym and and develop your shot on a consistent basis because during a game, I mean, most players take maybe 10, 15 shots at the most, and that's mm-hmm. you have the ball a lot. So you you're really not you're really not developing your shot by playing games. Uh, you, you get game shots, and obviously and under some under some pressure, but to really develop your skill, it's got to be done outside of a game atmosphere where you can spend time skill development. And shooting is probably one of the most obviously things that that I feel that uh, the, the players in our country are probably deficient at, as opposed to I see a lot of international players. Uh, probably are much better shooters than our kids are, mm-hmm. just because work on them more. Yeah, um, of all the coaches that I've interviewed, um, pretty much every single one of them have said the same thing that that we're playing too many games and we're not spending enough time on on skill development. Um, you know, everybody knows this, that it's an issue, um, and I think we've got to come up with some type of solution. And whether it's the, starting with the uh, the EYBL and you know an Under Armour, you know, and a lot of times you see. Those players that's at that level, they're more the uh, the elite players. But it's it's, I think we got to do a better job of, you know, really teaching people how to do skill development. Um, and that's what I'm on yeah. this, you know, and that's what I'm on this this podcast to be about, be a resource for a lot of coaches because I know when I started doing skill development, you know, 12, 13 years ago, I had no idea what I was doing. So a lot of it that I've learned over the time is being just kind of trial and error and learn from this person and picking up from this person. But I think that um, we've got to really make sure that, that the coaches are educated on, on skill development because it's more to it than just putting together drills, uh, but really knowing how to teach and things like that. But we, we've definitely got to get better at teaching um, these players and taking some of the emphasis off of off of so many games. Um, I think a lot of players are so concerned with exposure. They're wanting to be exposed. They're wanting to, you know, be seen by Kentucky and Duke and, you know, some of these top-notch programs. But, you know, if you don't have the skills, then you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to get that opportunity anyway. So now let's talk about how you like to prepare. If you're getting ready to do a skill development workout, um, what do you what do you like to do to get organized and prepared for those for those workouts or for those training sessions? What, what's important to you um, to make sure that you're you're prepared? Well, I think you know. I, I think it depends. Really, uh, each individual kind of has to decide. Um, and as as a coach, you know, I have. Uh, we talk to our players all the time, along with our USA basketball players. What, what are your weaknesses? Mm-hmm. So I think, first of all, you really have to identify, you know, what, what your weakness is in, in the game of basketball. Is it, you know, is it going to your left? Is it ball handling? Is it mid-range game? Is it pull-up jumpers or whatever? I'll, I'll give you a great example. Of that is uh, is Jason Tatum. Uh, Jason is a tremendous mid-range player. I mean, he, he's uh, from eight to ten feet. He's got that nice little, uh, nice little, you know, uh, teardrop shot, and and really does a great job with that. I think the parts of his game that needed work on were, were getting to the rim, uh, all the way to the rim, and then uh, his three point shooting. And so I think he did a great job over the past year or two of identifying his weaknesses on his shooting. And then working on that, and if anybody saw the U19s play this year, he was on our he was on our U16, U17s. So we won gold medals with, and then he played for the U19s this past summer over in Greece. And I think uh, you would see he really has developed a, really a consistent game going to the basket, mid-range game, and in his three-point game. So that's just one example. I think players have to identify what their weakness is, and. and and too many guys, in my opinion, uh, that are maybe elite players or even guys like from my high school that aren't elite players but are very good, uh, they don't really have somebody that tells them what they need to hear. We tell guys all the time, you know, 
uh, as a coach, I have to tell you sometimes things you don't want to hear. Right. Um, Bill Bridge Bar Park were great examples of that. You know, there's got to be somebody in your life that tells you things that you don't want to hear about your game, and that's how you're going to get better. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, uh, you know, we're doing a disservice if we just think they're, they're, they're great players and go, get automatically go to the league and without any without any more skill development. Um, and I think there's a couple reasons for that. I think, you know, AU coaches are, are worried they're going to skip teams, they're going to jump to another team if, if you tell them something that they may not like or – High school coach the same way. They might skip to their high school if they don't like what they hear. But in the, in the long run, the players, good players, really want to get better. And the bottom line is, uh, somebody has to tell them uh, you know, areas that they need to improve on. So that's the first part of skill development. You know, what areas, what areas are your weakness that you want to make your strength? And uh, I think that goes a long way. Okay, so when you when you actually uh, get ready to start a workout, whether it's with a team or if you're doing a small group. How do you how do you like to start your your skill development workouts? Well, I, you know, we, we love we personally we love to go through um, a lot of a lot of ball handling uh, workouts with with shooting at the end of it. Um, I think conditioning is a huge factor for young players. A lot of players I find out just are not in really very good condition. And I think that uh, that needs to be uh, a form of skill development is to get the players to the point where they're they're completely involved in a skill set, but also get get tired doing it. And so, you know, the ball handling stuff, uh, using cones, uh, getting to the basket, getting to the rim, just bury it up a little bit. I think is a good way to start a skill development uh, session. And then, and then I think you need to put. Uh, you know, I think it needs to be as competitive as you can. You know, put a time uh, on a clock and, 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 all right, now we're going to make 30, you know, we got to make 30 layups uh, in in five minutes starting from the baseline, dribble out to the three-point line, back in for layup or for power shot. So I think that's really important, too. And that's, that's kind of the way we, we try to end, tend to end up, tend to start our, uh, our skill development. Okay. Uh, now, what I want to do is is kind of talk a little bit about about a couple of teaching aspects of uh, of the game of basketball, and these are all, of course, uh, mainly just offense. Um, but I feel like there are four fundamentals that are imperative to developing a solid game, and and those are ball handling, which includes dribbling and passing. Uh, we have shooting, footwork, and basketball IQ. Um, so. Can you spend just a, a, a couple of moments on on your uh, teaching points, or what do you like to teach when it comes to those different different skills? Uh, we can start with ball handling first, which is um, dribbling and passing. Right, and uh, I think you know you, you have to intentionally you have to intentionally work on things like dribbling and passing because in the game situation you don't really intentionally work on those, but. We do a lot of offhand, weekend work, with both with dribbling and with passing. We'll do a lot of two-ball stuff, uh, both dribbling. Uh, we have a series of, of uh, workouts that we go through with the two-ball. Uh, we're really getting that offhand work uh, development in. If a player can't use both hands, essentially you're going to be very, very easy to guard uh, at, at a high level. So we really put a lot of emphasis on that. We do a lot of passing, uh, stationary passing, and all the passing on the move. We try and mix some defense into it so players are making great decisions on the passes. Uh, I think the choices made on, on passing is really important. Two-on-one situations, three-on-two situations, just making great choices, great passes in those situations. Uh, the player has to really be able to react uh, really well. So, so ball handling, and, and we tell our players, well, you know, I think the best thing to do is, is if that, you know that if, you know going to your left is your weakness. Then I think in a game situation, in a scrimmage situation, you should really work going on your left all the time. Whether mm-hmm. you're comfortable doing that or not uh, is really not important. But you need—that's what you need to do to develop a consistency factor. And you know, get out of your comfort zone. We always stress to players: uh, get out of your comfort zone. Uh, you, you're not going to get any better uh, if you try if you just stay in a comfort zone. So get out of your comfort zone. Do things that you're not real comfortable doing uh, at, at a high level. So the ball handling. 
both stationary two ball, moving two ball, and then and then the passing, especially with the weak hands, uh, really really important. <clears throat> and I think you know a good ten to fifteen minutes uh, in your skill event on process is is really good with that. And, and then uh, uh, change up the drills a little bit every day, so we come back the next day and, and really work on the same same type of thing, but maybe change up the drills. And then you can add shooting into those things as well. So now you're making a taking a pass with a shot with it, and uh, footwork can be combined with that. So your skill development can be really, it doesn't have to be one one uh, one thing where you just work on ball handling only. You can mix that up mm-hmm. with footwork and, and passing as well as shooting. Okay. Is there anything particular that you like to teach, let's say like with uh, with shooting, that you like for players to to uh, to understand is is really important when it comes to shooting. Well, I think you know, <clears throat> I think every, every the the it's really important that before you ever take shots, you need you need to form shoot because the muscles have to be um, you know, your, your your muscles are muscle memory reflex of shooting, so the muscles have to be doing the same thing every time. And so as you start out with the first five or ten minutes of just uh, form shooting, uh, working on switches. Uh, you know, the great thing is we have a rim that sets inside the rim, which is a smaller type of rim, where we really work on uh, uh, focusing in on on making baskets in a smaller on a smaller target. And I think mm-hmm. that's really helped us as well. Uh, it's just a rim that sets inside a rim, so it's a, it's a, it's a, an inch. Uh, smaller in circumference, so now it puts a little, uh, little, little tougher to make those shots, but yet it, it makes the focus a little bit better. And I, you know, I, to me, I think shooting is really a lot on focus. Uh, players, players today have a hard time just focusing in on one thing, mm-hmm. and I, I think, and I think that uh, uh, shooting is really a, a focus type of thing where uh, kids have to really focus in and and. Uh, too many times I think that uh, that uh, the the players themselves, um, you know, either get bored, they drift in their workouts. So I think, you know, they have to have somebody there to really keep them on task, to really keep them focused on what they want to get done. And, and shooting is one of those one of those uh, skills that you know it takes a lot of repetition daily. It takes a lot of repetition to make a habit. You know, Brad Beal didn't become a great shooter just overnight. He worked hours and hours and hours right. at, you know, becoming a great shooter. And unfortunately, I think uh, today many players, you know, they get to the rim really well, but they, you know, they fail to, they really fail to become a, a really good type of shooter. And I think that's something that needs to be uh, really emphasized in skill development workouts. Yeah, I, I always try to keep things real simple with, with the players I work with. I know um, sometimes it could be uh, a little overwhelming when you talk about all the different things that go into shooting. Uh, but I try to dumb it down as, as much as possible so the players don't have to worry about too many too many things. Uh, you know, I know if I'm starting with a player that's, that's really learning how to shoot, we, we don't really get into whether they make or miss the shot. It's more of just making sure you shoot the ball the correct way. And, exactly. as you, and as you get the skill down, then we can get into, all right, let's let's make five out of ten. You know, once yeah. you make five out of ten, now let me see if you can make seven out of ten. And and once they get consistent, then we can start adding, you know, a little more. Um, you know, I guess you could say a little more stress to it. Let me let me get five in a row before you go to the next spot, or can you get five in a row before the before the uh, clock expires and things like that. But I think sometimes. We as trainers, we try to uh, we try to go from A to D instead of A to B, and uh, we make it a little more no difficult. Question. The players get frustrated, we get frustrated um, because I think a lot of times what we'll see is we'll see a, we'll see someone doing a particular drill like Drew Henlon. You know, he has some really good timed shooting drills, and uh, we'll get a player out there that's fourth, fifth grade and try to get them through that drill when they're not shooting the ball the correct way. So I think sometimes as trainers, 
we try to get too far ahead instead of just taking it slow, especially when it comes to a skill like uh, like shooting. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, the part about it is, that, and I, I've watched, I give clinics a lot with uh, over uh, international clinics in, in South America and Europe and and uh, the Middle East. And, and, you know, it seems to me those players, you know, they, before they move on, they really want to get it right before mm-hmm. they move to another thing. And where I, I think a lot of our players just want to move to, move to the next right. thing without they having uh, a good basis, you know, for, uh, you know, for what they got. So I completely agree with you on that. Uh, and now we've got two more little quick skills real quick here. Uh, what about footwork? Is there anything in particular that you like to really concentrate on when it comes to footwork? Well, I, I think if you if you know how to do your – if you can really have good footwork, I mean, I think that's the basis of playing defense, playing offense, getting to the basket. Uh, you know, we, we do a lot of – you know, we really do a lot of pivoting, uh, individual work. We try and work pivots into our, our workouts, uh, jump stops, under control type of actions that uh, we're – where players then can use either pivot foot, go right or left, uh, using the right, right pivot foot or left pivot foot. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that once they feel comfortable with their footwork, uh, that's really an important aspect of how they're going to continue to develop. I mean, footwork, uh, I would say the shooting the shooting is 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 really very much footwork thing where mm-hmm. – um, you know, I, I tell our players there's two types, there's two ways, uh, there's really two aspects of shooting a basketball. I, I say you, know, you learn you learn the form and you learn uh, the basics of, of the shot from the waist up, you know, your elbow and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But you really, to really learn how to score, it's from the waist down. That's how you learn how to score. Mm-hmm. You know, using your, using your feet and getting, the, uh, you know, getting your feet set. Um, working off your pivot feet, so uh, we 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 really have uh, emphasized that a lot. Where uh, where your, your full work leads to the skill that you want. Yeah, I'm I'm a real real big believer in, in footwork. Um, everything in basketball starts with your feet, you know. Yep. So uh, it doesn't matter if you're playing offense, you're playing defense. If you're trying to get open off a screen, if you're trying to be somebody off the dribble. Um, if you're stepping into your shot, hopping into your shot, um, I'm real big on, on footwork and balance. And I think that a lot of players don't spend enough time on that. They don't understand the importance of footwork. You know, when you see a no player, question. when you see a player like Kobe Bryant and, um, the, his footwork that he has, or when you see a player like Dirk that's shooting off of, off of one foot, um, players don't understand the, the, the emphasis they spend on footwork to be able to shoot those shots. And some of those shots are, you know, are a little advanced for just the average basketball player. But uh, I tell my players all the time, everything starts with your feet. Um, you can't do anything in basketball without your feet. So, um, you know, so I, we, we like to spend a lot of time on our, on our footwork, teaching players how to start and stop with the dribble. Um, been able to stop on balance when you're shooting off the dribble. So, um, footwork is to me is just is is very 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 important. Um, now, last one, real quick, basketball IQ. How do you how do you challenge or teach a player's basketball IQ on the court uh, with your players? You know, I think I think that's uh, that's a great question because basketball IQ obviously is really important. Some some players just kind of have a gift naturally, but. I also think uh, we we do a lot of three on three, four on four work. And I think that probably does the best for putting that basketball IQ. You know, reading the defense, and and, and I think players, young players, tend to go way too fast. They tend to hurry things uh, as opposed to just being quick and let letting things develop. And I think as they get older, they kind of understand the aspect of. You know, if I just let things develop a little bit, uh, you know, it, it kind of tends to make plays easier to make. And I can see that with our young kids in our basketball team. You know, we had, uh, 
Uh, this past year, we, we had our U16s, which are freshmen, sophomores, in, in high school. And then, then another year, they'll be U17s, which will be another year older. I just mm-hmm. see a lot of maturity in their decisions. They're just making better decisions. And I think a lot of three-on-three work, a lot of four-on-four work really helps that process along. And and one thing that's important, and I've had other coaches uh, mention this, and this is something I try to do as, as much as possible, is not being afraid to stop the action when you're doing three-on-three and four-on-four to make corrections. Um, right. You know, you don't want them just out there playing three-on-three like they're playing in the backyard. You want to actually make sure that they're being that, – that, that the, that the, um, the game action is being stopped. They're, being, they're getting feedback. Um, I like to ask a lot of questions. Um, I think it's important for players to understand what they're doing, why they're doing it. Um, you know, sometimes we, we as trainers get so caught up in making sure they get a good workout in and make sure that they're sweating and things like that. But I think it's really important when we're doing three-on-three, four-on-four, whether it's in the half court or full court, that we stop, make corrections, um, and, and give them that proper feedback so they'll know, you know, what to do and how to do it the correct way whenever they're in, in different situations. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of it, too, uh, you, you hit a good point. Uh, what we try and do a lot is is we'll have, when we play three-on-three, three, uh, we'll maybe have four on a team. So what happens is if, if a player needs to be corrected, I'll, have, I'll pull him out and put the player that's sitting out in for him, and mm-hmm. then we'll correct that. My assistant will correct that on the side, or you know, we'll take so for the other kids. It's good for the other kids to hear that, but sometimes we don't. Every, if we stop it every time with young players, we're right, not, right, sometimes yeah. we're not getting much coverage. That so uh, your your point is very well taken on that. Yeah. yeah. So um, how do you incorporate defense? I know we've been talking a lot about offense. Most times, when people think about skill development, they think about offense. Um, but when it comes to skill development, what do you like to teach and what do you like to do for uh, on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, you know, I think you, you mix in the defense with, you know, really off-season, uh, in my opinion, off-season is where the offense has to, has to improve. I think during the season, basically the defense, you know, it, 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 obviously you don't have a ball with defense, so you can – so the defense really doesn't lose as much during off-season times as the offense does. So having said that, obviously during during workouts, well, when we're playing three on three or four on four or even one on one, you know, working on closeouts, uh, which are really important, and, and then the proper foot alignment, uh, you know, to, to to make depending on where the ball is mm-hmm. at. So we, we do we do that probably not to the extent that uh, we do the offensive part. And, and uh, in a lot of ways, I think the defense is something that is, is, uh, doesn't need to be retaught as much as offense. But by the same token, I think it needs to be mixed in with your offense because your offense will be better with the defense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Coach, I know you do. A, uh, you were mentioned earlier. You do um, a lot of traveling with some of your clinics and, and camps. Um, one thing that I've heard from different coaches is, you know, especially at the lower level schools, the middle schools and junior highs, they have a hard time at um, really maximizing their space and time mm-hmm. when they're doing um, their skill development portion of the of the workouts. So when you're doing your clinics or your camps, or even if you're working with your with your high school team, how do you maximize your time to make sure that everybody's getting reps, um, that the that the lines are moving, and and yep. everybody is going, and there's not a lot of standing around and watching. So what do you like to do to make sure everything is, is run efficiently? Right. Again, that's a good point because I think uh, you know as as a coach. Sometimes, you know, as a trainer, maybe you might only have one or two or three kids you're working with uh, at a time. Uh, uh, and, and so as a coach, sometimes we're working with 15 kids or 20 kids, as, as well you might be too. But, but I think one of the things that you really need to maximize is don't, you need to come in with a plan uh, with your, to your workouts. I, I think when we as coaches come in and you just don't have a plan, then it, then it looks like you don't have a plan. So I think we need to have a definite plan, 
how we're going to get uh, maximum reps out of everybody. Use, use as many baskets as we can. You know, have as many eyes on the players as we can. Uh, so I, I think the plan is before you come to the workout, I think the coaching ha- coaches have a plan or workout guys have a plan on what they're going to do is really, really important. And then, I, you know, I think you need to leave time for, you know, to do that. You can have one one group taking reps. The other group, you know, the free throws are a huge thing now. People just don't shoot free throws very well because I don't think we work on them. And so I think those could be mixed in as uh, after a hard after a hard series of five or ten minutes with a lot of reps, and you can, you can go to the free throw line and get those reps in as well. Uh, you know, you can work in your your conditioning, jump and roll uh, type of things. Uh, while some guys are doing reps, so I'm just I just think the plan is really important. What kind of plan do you have set up? Uh, and if you do, I think I think you can work everything in really really well. Yeah, and that's something I keep hearing from a lot of the coaches that's been on the show is having a plan, being organized, uh, knowing what you're going to do, knowing how much equipment you need, how many players are going to be in per station if you're doing stations. And another thing that's really important too is is the transition, you know, how they're going to transition from drill to drill. Um, right. You know, if, if, you know, you don't want one player on, or one group on one end of the court going all the way down to the other end of the court, you know, have it, but that goes into that plan and being organized. So if you're, if you're, if you have a plan and you are organized, then the transition part of it will take care of itself. So the next question that I have, um, you actually touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, how much skill development should a player get versus um, the amount of games that he should play, he or she should play during the off season? I know you said that um, the that some of the some of the players from other country, other countries play about you know one game for every five to six practices, and here in the U.S. we do the opposite of that. So, if it was a perfect world, what would you be? What would you say would be the perfect ratio? Of skill development slash practices per game that's played. Well, I, you know, I think if you go, if you if you have a let's say you have a weekend tournament, you play six games in that weekend. I think you should have at least one practice per game. So you know, you're you're working out maybe an hour hour per game, uh, in my estimation, and, and not necessarily you're not working out for that game. You're having skill development, mm-hmm. but um, but that skill development needs to needs to be, I think, uh, for every game that's played, you, you at least need to have an hour. Uh, it'd be great to have two hours for every game you played. And I know that's not feasible because uh, there's just not enough time in the day to do that with as many games that are played. So having said that, I think maybe, you know, playing games every other weekend or playing less games on a weekend, you can get that kind of ratio in. I think that's really important. Yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't understand, um, you know, the the thing now with with playing so many games and in, in, on the weekend. I know when I played AAU, uh, we would play, you know, two, three, maybe four games, uh, you know, over the stretch of a weekend, uh, you know. And so now it's just like they're trying to squeeze in more and more games. So I I think that that's some, and I keep hearing the same thing from from a lot of these coaches that I've been talking to. So. Hopefully, somebody that's that's got a lot of influence can can start trying to trying to make some changes with that because I think it's going to really help the game a lot more if we get players practicing a little bit more and uh, not playing as many games. So, coach, you know, uh, not every player gets gets the opportunity to hire or work with a skill development trainer. Um, some coaches, high school or junior high coaches, uh, may not get the opportunity to work with their players during the summer. So you'll have players that want to get better on their own, um, but they don't have somebody they can go to, to that, that can actually work with them in a one-on-one or in a small group setting. So what advice would you give a player or a parent that has a kid that wants to get better but they don't have anybody to go to? What advice would you give them well, to be able to work on their game on their own? Yeah, I think – I think every player should get with their coach. First of all, identify identify the weaknesses that they need to work on, and then from that, uh, then you can set up a plan. All right, you know, here's I'm gonna I'm gonna do ten minutes of ball handling, two ball dribbling, 
uh, stationary and moving. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to shoot form shooting. I'm going to shoot 100 form shots, and I'm going to shoot you know uh, 50 mid range, 50 power shots, 50 whatever. And then you have a plan. So I think a young player who maybe doesn't have uh, a workout uh, trainer to go to, which is fine. I mean, many 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 players don't, and, mm-hmm. and really. You know, you can get uh, a lot of good work in by yourself. I think that's where, you know, years ago, players were made just kind of by themselves. They'd go right. in the driveway yeah. and shoot and, and work on their skills. You know, now I think players think, well, if I can't get in the gym, I can't get better. And, you know, the coach may not be around all the time. And, you know, there's always something to blame. Well, you know, the only thing to blame is yourself. <laughs> you know, yeah. the players, if they want to players really truly want to get better they're going to find a way to get better oh yeah and i find that out. i find that out all the time so i think identifying your weaknesses with your coach setting up a plan here's what i'm going to do on on monday monday wednesday friday if i want to do tuesday thursday here's an hour workout and uh you know get it done that way and I, I think uh, you know i think that's that's to the players advantage and then uh, going from there, then I think the player will understand, you know what, yeah, I am getting better. Now I'm going to make it a little more challenging and put some time and score uh, on me. And, and so I, I just think that's that's the way to go about it if you really want to get better. Yeah, because I know when I when I was in middle school, junior high, you know, even all the way up through college, I didn't have a, a, a skill development coach to work with. You know, my uh, I was fortunate, though. My dad uh, spent a lot of time with me. But even if he wasn't around. I was always at a neighbor's house using their goal or um, the local college or Hendricks College. I, I knew the coach pretty well, and he would let me come over to the gym whenever I wanted to just to shoot or play. Um, so I think players nowadays, they lack that imagination to go out and do some things on their own. Uh, I'm constantly telling the players that I work with, you know, if you only meet with me once or twice a week, that's not enough. You know, you got to – you got to find a little self-motivation to go out there on your own and dribble the basketball up and down the street or shoot the ball in the air if you don't have a if you don't have a goal. So um, players definitely got to learn to be able to um, uh, push themselves to get better and not always rely on an outside source. So we asked. I think you, you mentioned something that's really a great point to coach to players is is you know have an imagination. You know, mm-hmm. you're playing against uh, you're playing against Michael Jordan. You're playing against uh, whoever, uh, oh, yeah. Stephen Curry. You have an imagination. I think that that can take really take your your workout level to to another level. Yeah, I used to. I had. I was telling a friend this the other day. He was he <laughs> he actually thought it was kind of funny. I used to know, um, you know, different players that was in college. You know, I would know the lineups. And I would actually go out there and pretend like I was all 10 of those players up and down the court, you know, playing, you know, acting like I was each one of those players. Um, you know, and I would do different things, you know, act like you were going to the basket and going up for the layup or getting fouled and shooting a free throw. Uh, but just using your imagination while you're out there on the court. I didn't look at it as skill development. I just right. was looking at it as going out there having fun, but at the same time I was working on my game. Um, so, you know, I would work at like I was coming off a screen, playing for the Bulls, coming off a screen, catching and shooting for the game winner. Um, but I didn't know I was working on my footwork, you know. So right. I think players need to need to do that more. Um, and there's different ways they can, they can work out by themselves and make it fun, but at the same time make it productive. Yeah, I think that's a great point, you know. And there's a lot of different ways that, that, that players learn to get better. And, uh, you know, I think if, you're, if a player is really serious about becoming a, a good player, uh, you know, they just need to they just need to kind of figure it out themselves. Right? Here's how I'm going to get better. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of times that, that that's the best way to do it because then, then they're really involved with it and they have, uh, they have some ownership of their skill development. Yeah. As, as depending on somebody else to develop them. Well, you know, we always ask our players to get better. We always ask them to go to the gym or we're instructing them to go to the gym or giving them workouts. Um, but I think it's also very, very important for the coaches to continue to, to grow and, and get better. Um, so 
what do you like to do um, to con- to continue to improve your craft? Do you have coaches that you like to uh, to get on the phone and talk with to mm-hmm. bounce ideas off of? Um, is there any websites that you go to? What do you like to do to continue to improve your craft? That's a great point. I think sometimes coaches, as coaches, sometimes we get in a rut uh, mm-hmm. as well. And I think it's really important that, uh, you know, we, we, we stay on top of things. You know, uh, mm-hmm. with the Internet these days and YouTube, I mean, you can go on and, and look at a million different drills. And, and, and sometimes you you give that give that information to your player. Hey, hey look at Look, go to YouTube and look at this drill and, and put this in your next workout. So uh, I think you have to keep up on things like that as a coach. I, I, think, I don't think you can ignore uh, those kind of things. So um, you know, I think that's one thing that you, you need to do for your players is, is keep up on, on some, of the, some of the Internet stuff where you can, you can guide and direct them to uh, places to go to to improve their game uh, as well. And then, obviously... You know, uh, you, you run into coaches, and and I think basketball coaches more than any other kind of coach type of coaches are very willing to share, uh, more mm-hmm. so than you know than football coaches and everything. Because I think basketball coaches really uh, re- just a really sharing type of group of people, and and so you know you, you always get new ideas. A lot of it's terminology, I think, that you take to your players. Uh, maybe terminology with, with pivot beat with with uh, you know passing by the ear or just you know some some little cliche that can help the player become a better player. I think it's up to the coach to kind of make sure that that is one of those things that, uh, that you you get better at. Yeah, I, I I think it's you know it's really really important for us to to uh, to always be forward thinking, uh, continue to improve. Uh, you know, because we're passing down knowledge to players, and if we're not getting better as coaches, then we're really uh, we're really hurting the game, uh, or the game won't evolve, continue to evolve as 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 much as it should. So, I think it's really important for coaches to continue to keep your eyes and ears open. Um, you can, I feel like you can learn from anybody, um, whether whether they've been coaching, you know, like like yourself, you got over forty years experience. Or, or you can learn something from the coach that's only been coaching, you know, one or two years. So uh, that coach that's only been coaching one or two years may have, you know, uh, a certain way that he talks to the players that you can pick up on or, or the way he conducts a drill that you may can pick up on. So I think that we as coaches got to keep an open mind uh, when it comes to, to our craft. Absolutely. You know, I think a great, uh, you know, having kind of piggy tail what you said is a lot of times I'll learn something from my players. You know, mm-hmm. the player will come in the player will come in the gym and says, Hey coach, look what I found uh look, look what I found on the internet or whatever, you know, uh yeah. this kind of this drill. So yeah, I, I mean I think that's one of those things where we can learn a lot from our players as well. Well, Coach, now what I've got for you is, is five quick questions. It's a rapid-fire shooting segment. And basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through those questions. Each question has multiple choice. I'm going to allow you to uh, answer the question. And then once you've answered all five of them, we'll go back through them real quick and let you give me a little explanation on why you chose that answer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number one, do you prefer the one-two step or a hop step when shooting? One-two when shooting a basketball, do you want eyes focused on the rim or following the flight of the ball? Rim. Do you want elevation or a quick release when shooting a basketball? Um, you know, that's a, a little of both, but I prefer, uh, I prefer a quick release. Okay. Do you prefer a dominant pivot foot or pivot off either foot? Uh, that's a point of contention. Uh, <laughs> I, I've went from I've went from being a permanent pivot foot coach to uh, working with Peter pivot foot. So I so probably the last seven eight years since I worked with USA basketball, I see the, the advantage of having Peter pivot foot. So uh, that that's what really what we what we try and do now. Okay, and would you rather coach the less athletic, skilled player? Yeah. Or the more athletic, less skilled player. 
Uh, the, the last athletic skill uh, is, is, although, you know, with our USA basketball teams, those are very, very, they're very athletic and they're very skilled in some areas. Yeah. So, um, you know, but preferably, yeah, I mean, I, I think a little less athletic and more skilled has a, you know, is, is probably a little more open to new things. Mm-hmm. Well, I know these questions are, are um, these are what I feel like are some of the hot topics, I guess you can say, in basketball. Uh, some coaches prefer to one-two, some prefer to hop, and, and some just die by, you know, their opinion. Um, and But I know at the same time a lot of these are, are situational. They're kind of, you can kind of ride the fence on them. Um, so let's go back through them real quick. In the first question, you say you prefer the one-two step over the hop step. Is there a particular reason why you prefer the one-two step? Well, I think for young players, you know, when we when we teach our our, our junior high players and our high school players, you you just have a better you have better balance. I think you get your legs into the shot a little more. We have some players that hop step into it, uh, which is fine. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to change them if they're shooting the ball well. Uh, we just like to start teaching with the one-two step, uh, just from the standpoint. I think you get uh, just a little better rhythm in your shot, uh, and, and, uh, and you get a little better, more of your legs in the shot, I think, with one, two. Okay. On the second question, it said, when shooting a basketball, do you want your eyes focused on the rim or following the flight of the ball? And you said eyes on the rim. Can you give us an explanation on that one? Yeah, I just think it's really important. I think when you start following the ball, your shoulders come back, your head comes back a little bit. I think as you get on in the game, in the in the late in the, late in the game, I think then your shots are going to be more short. Or then you concentrate, your focus is a little better, concentrate on the rim, and that's why we really emphasize that. Okay. Number three was, do you want elevation or quick release when shooting a basketball? Uh, you say you really prefer a quick release, but but you also like both of them. Can you give us an explanation on that one? Yeah, you know the elevation. Part, you want some elevation, but I don't think, I think when kids think they have to elevate on jump shots, now they're going to elevate when they get close to the rim. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when they get in the lane and they get to the basket, they're going to want to elevate. But just for regular jump shots, when they're, when they're too much focused on elevation, I mm-hmm. think that, uh, again, their shot doesn't flow naturally. I think because you really don't have to get up very high on, on your jump shots. I think when you just push off and you're, you're bringing them all at the same time, you have better rhythm. I guess that's why I would say that. Okay. Uh, do you prefer a dominant pivot foot or pivot off either foot? And you say here, the, I guess about the past seven years you, since you've been with USA Basketball, you switched to uh, pivoting off of either foot. Can you uh, give us a little explanation on that one? Yeah, you, you know, especially coming from whichever side you catch the ball on, if your inside foot, your pivot, then you have a little, bit, little better. Uh, you just have um, – better options to try and score, you have better options with the ball, you have better options to pass. Whereas if you catch the ball and have to have that one pivot put, uh, it kind of slows you down a little bit at times, I think, which is not all bad, but I think at the same time, having one permanent pivot foot, uh, when you're catching the ball across the lane and making a pivot, you always want your inside foot as your pivot. So Okay. Uh, last on the last one said, would you rather have the less athletic skilled player or the more athletic less skilled player? And you said the less athletic skilled player. I, I think. I mean, I think that's what we have more often than not. I mean, uh, in all our mm-hmm. programs, uh, you know, we have maybe one, one or two players on a team who's very athletic, maybe not quite as skilled. But for the most part, most of our teams are made up of. Uh, not great athletic players and more skilled players. So I think that's just who we work with more often. And I think they're probably more receptive to, to skill development because that's what they have to do in order to compete with the very athletic players. Okay. Well, Coach, I truly appreciate uh, you coming on here today and, and giving us some of your some of your time and some of your valuable knowledge. I have one more question for you, and then we'll sure. let you leave uh, the coaches with some, some more advice and how they can connect with you through uh, social media. 
you get a chance to coach your ultimate basketball team. You can pick any player or players from any era, dead or alive, male or female. Who are the five players you're picking to be on your team? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that, 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 that's a loaded question. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously you, you take, you know, you take guys that, um, that you remember. I mean, I, you know, Oscar Robinson, uh-huh. I remember a little bit. Um, my dad used to talk about him being the greatest player uh, of all time with back when he played, and, and I think that still holds pretty much true. But, you know, guys like Michael Jordan, Oscar Robinson, Bill Russell, who changed the game defensively, you know, Will Chamberlain, who changed the game both the offensively and defensively, uh, are, you know, are guys that you you would start start with. Uh, in the more modern-day era, you know, you – you have your LeBron James and and uh, and uh, Seth Curry, guy who can really shoot the ball. You know, so I think uh, you know, kind of, you know, that question is is a tough one because I, I think you tend to pick players that you know a little bit about. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you go back to George Mikan. Nobody remembers much about George Mikan, but he he kind of set the stage for big guys in the in the NBA. And, uh, you know, uh, I think, he, you know, those guys are probably maybe overlooked. Magic Johnson's another player who obviously changed the game. Jerry West. See, I could go on and on with the players who, right. I, who could be in that top five. But, uh, you know, I, I'd have to start with, with Oscar Robinson, Michael Jordan, Bill Russell. Um, uh, it's three of, those, three of those five. And then, uh, you know, uh, I, just, I just think I, I used to watch the Celtics with Kevin McHale and, and uh, uh, those guys that really changed the game a lot because of their footwork. You know, now they have moves named after them, McHale move. Right. And, yeah. And, yeah. So. Yeah, that, that, is, that is a tough question. There's so many different uh, players to choose from. You know, you could just go by errors. You know, you, we can just, you know, who are the top five players that you would want to coach if, if we're going back as, you know, the 60s or the 70s, the 80s. Um, yeah. but that's a fun question to ask. You know, you get, I've got a lot of different, uh, a lot of different, a lot of different coaches, a lot of different players from different, from the different coaches. So, um, is there any, any other little advice you'd like to give the coaches or, or players or parents that may be listening, uh, to this podcast in, in regards to uh, skill development? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the players, uh, that I've been fortunate enough to coach both on my high school teams and, and with USA basketball, I, I look at those players and how they develop skill-wise. You know, the the support that they have from other people has really helped them. And and uh, by support, I, I don't mean interference. I think mm-hmm. too many parents interfere with what they're with or interfere or slash push their uh, their young player into becoming what they aren't. So I think you have to let them develop, let them develop at their own pace a little bit. If it doesn't, if it, if it isn't fun for them anymore, they're certainly not going to put the time into it or not get better. Right. I think it's got to continue to be fun for them. Uh, you know, they got to have that motivation come from inside, not from not from a coach, not from a mom or dad, not from anybody else, mm-hmm. in order to really, uh, really, really successful. You know, I look at the players like. Recent players like I've had with Jamari Parker and Bill Okafor, and, and I got to know their parents very, very well. And they were very, they were supportive, but yet not overbearing. They kept, they kept player, uh, they kept their son. Uh, you know, they wanted to make sure they had fun with whatever thing they did. They didn't, they didn't push them into things that they felt were not, uh, you know, they just, just to be pushed them into something. So, I think that's really important. All right, coach. That was my interview with Don Showalter. I told y'all he was going to have some great information, and he really shared some really good nuggets for for every coach that's out there. It doesn't matter what level of coaching or how much experience you have. Um, I'm sure that you got plenty of plenty of information that you can take with you and implement into your program, or just learn something that 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 you may want to try or, or consider. Uh, next time that you're actually coaching and, and you're doing some skill development. So that was a great in- interview. Um, 
You know, and I'm going to release some more of those interviews. I, I interviewed a, um, a few NBA coaches. Um, you know, we have some some other trainers that I've interviewed in the past. So, you know, I, I think it's good to go back and re-release those. You know, I, I've got some some new followers now that, that didn't get the opportunity to hear some of those older older podcasts. So I think I'm going to be releasing those from time to time uh, because we, we can continue to learn from everybody. It's, you know, it's humbling for people to want to come on and listen to me, but it's also good to be able to hear um, thoughts and philosophies and ideas from other coaches. So uh, I, I have, I, I believe, I, I want to say about 24, 25 published episodes of interviews. And I also have about four that I never did publish. So I may, I may do some editing on those and, and release those also. Um, so a couple of announcements real quick before I let you guys go. I, I mentioned this before. I am working on a book that has actually been edited right now. Um, it's a skill development playbook, uh, ebook that I will be releasing. Uh, there will be an ebook and there will also be an actual physical book that you will be able to purchase. It's going to talk about skill development and, you know, just give you some insight. I'm going to talk about different types of terminology, give you insights on how to teach, uh, how to give feedback, just a lot of information, just different things that I've learned over my 17 years of doing skill development. Remember, you know, I've mentioned this before. When I first started, I didn't have any idea what I was doing. I had no direction. I had no mentor. I had no coach helping me. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I think that actually helped me. Um, because I really had to, you know, grind and, and make sure that, you know, that I was reading and learning, you know, there wasn't as many websites on skill development as there is now. Uh, there wasn't as many blogs on skill development. So um, I had to really search and really, you know, make sure I was reading and trying to find information, picking up information, whether it was watching a basketball game and listening to a coach talk about the game or talk about a player's footwork or watching film, coming up with it some type of way. So this book is going to be a good book for coaches, no matter what level you're on, no matter how much experience you have, to be able to read a book on skill development. So I'm excited about that. I can't tell you when that's going to be released, but it will be released. And as it gets closer to that time, I will be sure to let you guys know. So one way to be on top of that is to follow me on social media. On Twitter and Instagram, my handle is at NBNBball. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, I try to be active on Twitter. Um, you know, I get through these moves every once in a while where I may just start posting stuff. And I do that for three or four days and then I may not post as much. But I, I try to be I try to be active on on Twitter and Instagram. Um, so I have some. Some videos on IGTV, so y'all be sure to go on there and check that out. Also on Facebook, I have a fan page. It's uh, NBN Basketball, NBN Basketball. So if you want to connect with me through Facebook, then go ahead. Now, I will say this. I, I get some uh, friend requests on Facebook, and I'm going to just tell you, if I don't know who you are and it looks a little fishy, I'm not going to accept you your friend request. But um, if you are a coach and you want to do do connect uh, in that way, uh, just send me a message and let me know that, uh, you know, you heard the podcast or, you know, you saw me on Instagram or you saw me on Twitter and, and you want to connect through Facebook. And, and that's and that's perfectly fine. Also, the other way you connect with me is through email. Now, that's going to be the quickest way you can get in contact with me. Send me an email. My my email is Coach TJ at NBNB Ball. Uh, that's Coach TJ at NBNBball.com. And um, you know, I can I I'll I connect with you through through uh through email. Uh so if you send me a message, you have a question and and you know, just send me any kind of question. I had a coach the other day send me something on Instagram. Uh so Send me a question or if you have comments or if you have any type of concerns or need some help or some guidance, please feel free to, to, to reach out. Uh, I have no I have 
no problem with sharing. Um, you know, I don't know everything. I don't know everything, but, you know, I, I don't mind sharing what I do know. So if you have any kind of questions, please feel free to reach out and ask me. And also my website, mbnbball.com. Um, if you want to go on there and read some of my blogs or if you want to hear some of the podcasts, some of my older podcasts, some of those interviews, those are on my website. So that's all I have for y'all today. I appreciate it. And until next week, God bless.